Welcome to Trending Health, where we provide you with valuable insights and perspectives on the evolving healthcare industry. Brought to you by Dynamic, Trending Health explores industry topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm your host, Jen Burke. In today's episode, we're going to discuss a few recent newsworthy items we think healthcare leaders should be considering. I'm here with Dynamic's Mindy McGrath and Ryan Hummel to talk about what's trending now. Mindy, what headlines have you been following lately? Jen, there have been a lot of headlines in the news recently, but I think the biggest one probably is that we finally have an FDA commissioner that doesn't have the quote unquote title of acting in front of their name. We've been waiting for this for, for some time. And it's been, I think, a little bit peculiar that it's taken this long to finally have a commissioner that's been confirmed by, by Congress and now is in that permanent spot. So Dr. Robert Khalif, who formerly was um, head of the FDA, is back around again in terms of leading the agency. And you know, I think it's really important because while we had an acting commissioner, that word acting really limited Janet Woodcock's ability to really utilize the tools in the FDA to do what needed to be done in the middle of a public health emergency. So for me, that's the big news. I, you know, I scratch my head still when I think about this, Ryan, about how long it took to get here. And quite frankly, like the choice, you know, I think back to a couple of years ago when we had Scott Gottlieb in this role and how dynamic he was and his mission to bring the agency current, right, to reflect the advances in science and technologies. And I think Dr. Khalif is probably a safe choice. You know, I think from another perspective, there could have been a list of other people that, that they could have considered from an administration point of view that maybe could have been a little bit more cutting edge to lead the agency. But this is, is a safe choice, is a known entity, and now at least we have somebody in place. I think it's an interesting turn of events. I think when we all spoke about it a few weeks ago, I think we thought it was an uphill battle for Dr. Khalif. And if you remember, several years back when he stepped into the commissioner role, Six years ago, the vote was 89 to four. He had strong support from both sides of the aisle. In this case, it was bipartisan, but there were Democrats that did not vote for Dr. Khalif this time, and there were Republicans that did vote for him. So an interesting uh, choice, an interesting selection. He definitely has his work cut out for him. I think you'd mentioned kind of the idea of moving the FDA forward, but he has some lofty things to accomplish, whether that's the coronavirus vaccine for, for younger kids, there's e-cigarette applications and conversations going on every day. And so at the very foundational stage, I think we're really happy that we have a, a fully ratified FDA chief, but it remains to be seen if he's going to be able to kind of move the FDA forward in the future. And there's also some recovery that needs to take place. So think about more recently, right? The approval of Biogen's Alzheimer's drug and the controversy surrounding that, I, I think there's some real trust issues that the FDA is, is confronting right now. So in addition to some of the expectations on areas that he is going to need to address and lead the agency towards, there's also some image repair that is going to need to take place, I think, pretty immediately to continue to instill confidence in the processes that the FDA uses when it comes to evaluating and then eventually approving products for the marketplace. Yeah, Mindy, and just a lot of catching up on too, right? If you think about the pandemic and the disruption that's happened in terms of all that stuff that has to happen behind the scenes to make sure that we have 
safe, effective drugs on the market in terms of inspections and certifying foreign facilities, you know, not even considering all of the new players in the space of vaccine development, just catching up on the huge backlog of the normal day-to-day operations of the FDA is going to be a huge task at the same time when we're really pushing the boundaries of what are we expecting the FDA to contend with when it comes to new gene therapies, new types of treatments, new types of manufacturing methods. So certainly a tall order. Ryan, I think you have some more positive news we wanted to talk about when we're thinking about scientific advances and disease treatment. One of the trending news pieces that we all stumbled upon just recently was the announcement that there was a a woman that was cured of HIV. And that's a word that I didn't use that the scientific community used. And I just found that fascinating. You know, if you think of all the conversation we're having about viruses and, and the history and stigma that has been surrounded by HIV, the fact that we're talking about potentially curing the third person in the history of, of HIV. And if you double click on that story, there's really tremendous news behind it. One, the patient is a woman. And why that's important for many reasons is that over 50% of HIV cases are women, but they only represent something like 11 to 15% of the clinical trials. There's a recent article about that in the New York Times. And so when you think about that disproportionate number between prevalence and being tested from a clinical trials perspective, it's just pretty phenomenal. And she's a biracial woman. And what this highlights to me anyway, is this idea that in developed nations, there's a lot of viruses like HIV that maybe take a back seat because there's just a lot of treatments, a lot of ways that we have treated HIV in the past decade or so that have kind of minimized the, the impact across the population. That is not true in almost every other area of the world. Think about Sub-Saharan Africa and developing nations. That's a illustrative point for many viruses. And so this, this cure of HIV with this woman to me speaks to a lot of what we talk about is health equity and these ideas of helping folks that don't have these access to medicines uh, moving forward. So some great news in the medical front from that aspect. Yeah, no doubt, Ryan. When we were talking about this, I was also just thinking about the science, right? Like how science continues to advance. And years ago, we used to talk about controlling symptoms. Now we talk about controlling disease progression, which many of these HIV treatments in the market do. And now we're talking about really what the end in mind would optimally be, which is cure. And so I just keep going back to the science and thinking about how the science continues to help us advance treating really prevalent diseases in the marketplace and globally. Always really exciting to get some good news when it comes to the scientific front. And whenever we get to use the word cure and we don't feel like we're exaggerating that's a, that's a good day for for me. I think in some not so good news, there was a recent report that did come out from the patientrightsadvocate.org group. And you know, it wouldn't be a trending health podcast if we weren't talking about cost in the healthcare system in one way or another. This time it has to do with cost transparency. And a, their report found that only 14% of hospitals are compliant with price transparency rules about a year into this effort. 
and even after some of the stricter penalties were imposed. Mindy, I'm wondering what your reaction to this report is. Not shocking, but disappointed nonetheless. You know, I think we have been talking about transparency as being a fundamental leg of the stool in order to drive the idea that consumers can be engaged in their own health. And I also think in terms of really understanding what things cost. So you look at just the history of some of our efforts from a policy perspective around transparency. And as recently as last year, we passed the Consolidated Appropriations Act. And part of that included the No Surprise Bills Act, which went into effect on January 1st of this year. We've had legislation in place that that really essentially mandated that hospitals place their charge master pricing right on their website so that individuals like myself and Ryan and, and you, Jen, can, can understand what things cost. And I, I don't want to not acknowledge how difficult this effort is, right? Because we have an extremely complex system with a lot of pricing benchmarks and contracted pricing that, that just makes this look like a bowl of spaghetti. I don't think this is as much about intention as it is about complexity, but it's still disappointing to see that the traction is not where we would hope it would be. And I, I think it just speaks to the fact that we sometimes overestimate how quickly change can occur. I also question whether penalties are really effective, to be honest with you. I mean, you can have really good policy and really good rulemaking but if the penalties in context of, of the revenue for a company are really just immaterial, I don't know that they're really going to drive the behavior that you're looking for. So, you know, that's just my take on it in general is that I still believe transparency is a really critical element to what I would say is an emerging healthcare system where we want to have consumers actively engaged in not only their own healthcare, but understanding and having a level of literacy around what things cost. And it's just probably going to take a lot longer than we originally anticipated and maybe a lot more give in terms of understanding what can actually be done versus what we want to be done. Mindy, I think you're, you're spot on. And, and one thing I would add is every health system that I've ever worked with or talked to has a legal counsel or legal representation. And there are varying interpretations of this rule from simply publishing the rate schedule, whatever your rates are, to publishing this kind of transparent machine readable summary. And so the fact that they're not compliant, quote unquote, with the law means lots of things. And there's a bigger piece of this as well. And I like your reference to intent here because the interpretation is so different it could look wildly different within the same market of what the actual transparent costs and prices are, which would put some health systems at a marketing disadvantage, even though those not may not be as accurate as what the website says. So you can understand as a leader of a health system that has six, seven, eight hospitals in a market that's competing in the same marketplace with the same sort of like for like health system, why they wouldn't feel comfortable posting this because there's so much opacity in the way this looks that it could wildly be different. And it also could look wildly different, but in essence really isn't different. So very interesting to see how this 
moves forward and transpires. And I think even to that point, Ryan, I'm even thinking about how we're moving into or we're seeing the movement into value-based types of arrangements and what those look like. I mean, think about a bundled price might be an easy thing to, to actually share in the public domain, but some of these more intricate value-based arrangements that are based on outcomes and bonuses at the end, I mean, it's, it becomes really, it's a maze, if you will, trying to figure out what the right benchmark is to use. And, you know, I know there's been threats from, maybe not even threats, but just executives and, and individuals in the healthcare industry that really would like CMS to, to implore some more tools or imply, you know, use some more tools to force this issue. And I just think there needs to be more time given to allow hospitals to figure on health systems to figure out how they do this right. And, and we do have to acknowledge that these are competitive marketplaces and that some health systems may be at a disadvantage. I'm just not sure how much that plays into the policy piece of it as much as it's just a fact of reality. And that's why we're seeing such low compliance. Speaking of marketplace competition, things were definitely heating up regionally in the provider space with the recent announcement from Christiana Care that they are looking to acquire Crozier Health from Prospect Medical Holdings. Ryan, I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on this recent announcement. What is important about this is the trend of consolidation of healthcare systems that we all have talked about for years continues in the provider space. For those of you listeners that don't know, Christiana Care is a large health system. It's actually the largest employer of the state of Delaware and also the largest health system. And a few years back, they purchased a health system or a hospital in Maryland, Union Hospital, and they have plans, and that's the latest news, to move forward in acquiring Crozier Health's a hospital system, which is just a stone's throw south of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And Heading into another third state is, is pretty important to see. And we're, what we're seeing is continued consolidation regionally for large health systems to get economies of scale and really push their eminence in the healthcare space. So pretty big news in the provider world. And of note, this health system, Crozier, is part of a larger medical holdings company that is a for-profit health system. And we've talked about the differences between for-profit and not-for-profit. So this would actually return a pretty well-known stalwart health system in, in the suburbs of Philadelphia back to nonprofit status if the deal goes through. Thanks, Ryan and Mindy. As always, we know the only constant in the healthcare industry is change. So I can't wait to hear what we're talking about next month. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Trending Health. For links to resources discussed in the episode, to subscribe to the Trending Health Podcast and explore if Dynamic can help your company manage ongoing healthcare industry change, visit trendinghealth.com. Tune into the next episode where we look forward to providing you with more insights on the healthcare industry.